the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Everybody online, good morning to you as well. Good to have you with us today. Um, I think everyone I have talked to, sorry, I'm a little, I'm a little like OCD here. I just need this to be square. Now we can go. Everyone that I have talked to recently has uh, had the same kind of story. And I, as I've talked to my friends, some of you in the community, I, and I hear that again and again, I think, Lord, what, what is happening? What's this about? And the word that keeps coming to mind in conversation with you and maybe even with some of you online that I've been emailing or calling or talking to is the word disconnected. Anybody else relate? Like, amen. I feel disconnected. I talk to people, person after person who says, gosh, I just feel so disconnected with my community, with my church. Um, people who are coming this morning for classes or getting connected in groups um, or who come to the church for the first time in a long time and look around and go like, who are these people? There's so many new people here. I feel so disconnected. Uh, this is like something that I, I just keep hearing again and again. And I know that for some, even those online who can't be here, that experience is probably even more so the case. After everything we've been through in the last couple of years, it's, it's not a surprise, Right? that we all might feel a little disconnected. What to me is surprising is that everyone thinks that they're the only ones that feel that way. It's just me. It's just my life. I feel disconnected. I'm sure everyone else feels connected. And it's not true. It's everybody. And on top of that, our community um, has changed so much. and we're, We've talked about where we're going this year. There's so much energy and excitement. It might be really easy to feel kind of left behind as we start going and moving, and I want to just pause before we get going anywhere uh, today and just say, we're not going to leave you behind. You all feel disconnected, so can we all cut each other some slack and just feel connected and be like, we have permission even to just feel disconnected and give us some time to get to know one another and get comfortable again. And there's others of us that maybe just, if we're honest, we don't want to get connected again. Right? Somebody's laughing. Okay. Just tempted to maybe stay away. Maybe the social dynamic, the anxiety around that might just feel like too much. I don't know if I can jump back in. I have so much going on in my life. I don't know if I want to go back to normal and feel connected again. There's a lot going on with these dynamics. And I I think you know what I'm talking about when I describe them. I'm not going to be able to explain all of those things. But disconnected is the word that keeps coming up again and again about what our community, our people are experiencing. And I wonder if the feeling of being disconnected is a symptom of something much deeper that's going on in our lives. Maybe even a signal that maybe it's not all bad, you know. Maybe it's a signal that God's actually doing something in us. Where all of a sudden our soul is being appetized for connection. But then we have all these reasons why maybe we're not ready for that. And we kind of tap the brakes. Maybe God's in the works there in our lives under the hood. Our gospel reading this morning, it tells us the story of a a community just like ours, and I don't mean this in any kind of insulting way, but a lot of, like a crowd of really needy, disconnected people. This was going on in the gospel reading. There's no offense there, right? We're all needy and disconnected, right? And this crowd had gathered around Jesus, including the disciples that he just called. And right before this reading in the gospel, he named, uh, we have the names of all of the disciples that Jesus had called. And this is the story in this reading of a God who didn't look at a crowd of really disconnected, needy people and say, would you please get it together? Would you just get over it? 
Hey, you come talk to me when you got your life figured out, okay? This is the gospel reading that shows us a God who, in the face of a crowd of really needy, disconnected people, myself, you included, drew close. The scripture said he descended to the plain to stand on level ground with them. This is the God who drew near to a crowd of needy, disconnected people. God in flesh, mind you, not just some good-willed person, but God himself in flesh came near to us. Eye to eye, you could say, with our needs, with this crowd. And what did he do? Did you notice what the Son of Man did besides just coming close, descending to us, meeting us where we're at, looking at us eye to eye here in the crowd? What did he do? He didn't have them set up an appointment with him. He didn't have them just like, hey, email me. My people will be in touch, okay? He didn't give one of those kinds of lines. He didn't blame or guilt this crowd for feeling the way that they felt. He didn't tell them to just whip it into shape, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Even began, before he opened his mouth and began to teach, he was already at work doing something. We kind of read over this part. He was healing people. They would reach out to him and touch him just to receive his power and be healed. Those with diseases, those with unclean spirits being possessed, they were being healed by just the sheer touch of the Son of Man. What an incredible scene. If you think about it, you can picture why there would be an almost unhinged, out-of-control crowd pressing in on this man. To just touch him and be healed. The disciples he just called were there. Jews were there. Greeks were there. Sick. Poor. Skeptics. Those onlookers from just outside the crowd. The powerful, they were there. Masses and masses of needy people pushing their way close enough to hear his message and maybe even touch him and be healed. And we might look at this and think, like, wow, that's really nice of Jesus to do, right? Uh, To be nice to all these people. What an interesting scene. But we have to understand that who Jesus is in this moment and what he's doing in his healing and then also what he's about to say, they're not like three different aspects of who Jesus is. It's all revealing one reality about who he is and what God is doing through him in the world. So the healings aren't just for good measure. His message isn't just a pick-me-up. It's all revealing one thing. The same reality. That through this man, through Jesus, God was making a home. Not somewhere else, but a home among the needy. A home among the poor and the sick. He was making a home among those who felt disconnected, forgotten, cast out. God was making a home among a people like this. And because God had come close, you can even see it when we read the gospel reading, when Deacon Courtney retrieves the gospel book and comes down to this level place, you can almost kind of see the symbolism, right? Of Jesus coming to be among us and to speak to us. When God makes a home in proximity to us, you know what happens? We are blessed. So then he begins to teach saying, blessed are the poor. Not as, hey, go and be poor so that you can be blessed. 
but a, you know what happens when the Son of Man comes close to the poor? Blessing is what happens. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those of you who are going to be hated and reviled and rejected because of me. When the Son of Man comes close to you in all of that plight and all of that suffering, you, something about being near him, there's blessing in it. And we should note that Jesus isn't just kind of blasting this out to the crowd. They may be in earshot, but he actually turns to his disciples, Scripture says, and speaks these words to his disciples who are actually poor now because they left their jobs, who don't have a home, who will suffer, who are probably currently hungry while he's saying this, and who will certainly be rejected and reviled. He's naming their reality, but he's saying, but when I'm with you, when you are in proximity to me, when the Son of God has come close to you, it is blessing for you that is about to happen. This is the world that God is, uh, that is breaking into the world. This new world that God is setting up through and in Jesus when he comes close to those who are in need. They will be made happy in his presence. They will be healed in his presence, just like the reading was showing. You see that? They will be made full and content. They will be made right at home in Jesus. That's not where he ends it, right? That's where we'd like to end the sermon. Like, hit it, James, and then we all go sit down and move on with our lives, right? But then Jesus keeps preaching. Ay, ay, ay. For those who don't need things to change, he has a different kind of word for them. Those who, you know, things are fine. Jesus, we're good. I'm just curious, like, what are you talking about? Those who draw near just to hear his word. He says to them, woe to you. Or as the Jeremiah in the Psalm said, cursed are you. Warning to those. It's not going to go so well for some others. Jesus gives this warning to the rich. Did you hear that? Ugh. And that's all of us, y'all. When we hear that, he's talking about us. Woe to you who you have money and it's so easy to be tempted. You don't really need God. You don't really need, you don't, you don't have needs. Woe to the rich. Woe to the full-bellied who've had their full, their fill. Woe to those who are happy. Woe to those whom everyone speaks so highly of you because you're so nice. You don't rock the boat. You're so agreeable. You maintain the status quo. Jesus says, not blessing, but woe. Warning. Watch out. What you have now is all that you will ever get. Your self-satisfaction is not going to last. All the praise that you have from people, all that popularity that kind of fills your tank and fuels your life, it's not going to be good enough. It's going to lead you to destruction. Why does Jesus have to be so divisive? Why does he have to pick on us like this? Why does he have to give us these woes? Why couldn't he have just left it at the blessings, right? We wrestle with that this morning together. Why be so disruptive, Jesus? Aren't we good people? Why, do we, why does he have to be so mean to those of us who are doing just fine without him? Why can't Jesus just preach to us that everything's going to be okay And that you're okay, and I'm okay, and we're all okay. Why can't he just say something like that? Jesus isn't just making up 
a good message or a tough message. He's not just kind of a playing jazz on the spot there. He is just bringing forward what the prophets and the psalmists we just read this morning have been saying. This whole time. His sermon is about what happens when the God of Israel descends upon real brokenness. Real diseases. Real unclean spirits. And real material needs. When God comes close to needs, there are blessing. And when God comes close to those who have no need of him, they will find only destruction. And so this is a mercy, actually, a grace to say, hey, wake up, pay attention. Let me put you in touch with reality. When God comes close, this is what happens. Trusting in earthly things will only lead you to destruction. But trusting in God... And the kingdom that he's setting up will lead you to blessing through Jesus. This is a really, um, this is kind of a big concept, right? Like what, so what do you do with that in your real life if that's true? If that's really true, what do you do with this? Where is the kingdom, Sean? What, what are we supposed to do then? How do we find our way to the kingdom? How do we detach ourselves from our dependency on happiness of material things, earthly things, to kind of fill our tank and fill our ego and fill our bank account? How do we not live that life but live a life dependent on the kingdom of God? And I know this may sound like a Sunday school answer. I hear it already myself and I think, really? But it's true. And we were even wrestling with this in our middle school class this morning because we're studying the same text. Jesus Coming close to Jesus, being like this needy crowd, this disconnected people, and coming close and groping our way to Jesus, who has already descended to where we are, who's already present even this morning for us. Jesus, that we would reach out and touch him and be healed. Jesus, that's where the kingdom of God is breaking into this world, in him. To be in his saving presence is to be blessed, friends. And not in theory, but in his person and by the power of his spirit. And this morning, through his church, through the Eucharist where he's made present, through all this incense and blessing that get launched at you, all of that blessing is the presence of Jesus coming near to our need and establishing his kingdom and filling our lives once again. Don't let that blow by your head as if it's some sort of just religious ritual. This is Jesus healing, his power present, his saving work among us. And so those who are gathered around Jesus, the son of man, are truly rich, are truly made full, are filled with joy. In fact, they should rejoice. I don't know how we keep it so quiet in church sometimes. Because we should just be like people should be bringing tambourines and cowbells from, I don't know. We got a lot of rejoicing to do if it's true. If we could see his presence among us. To be so gathered around him is to be saved. And I think we all agree on this, right? Maybe most of us, maybe some of us struggle. But if we discern more carefully what's going on here for us, what's at stake for us. Jesus' warnings kind of cut into our lives a little bit and make us maybe a little bit uncomfortable. We have some work there to discern what, is, what do I need to hear in his warning to me. And by the way, people um, that Jesus is speaking to, um, it's not that they don't have needs. They're just not aware that they have needs. That's the only difference between the rich and the poor. It's not like we're good. Actually, they're not good. 
They're just not aware of it. The rich, the full-bellied, those who laugh, who flatter each other, they're terribly blind of their deep needs of Jesus. And that may be us. And then on top of that, we tell ourselves stories to help reinforce that blindness and explain it away, to justify it. No, that's not really me. We're really good at staying blind as well. And so Jesus comes in kind of full blast saying, look, don't tell yourself that story. I got a word for you, warning, 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 warning. Unless it's with me, unless you have gathered around me, you have not entered the kingdom. Warning to you, don't chase down that earthly stuff. Only in me will you find salvation. Don't be fooled by the story you tell yourself to explain your comforts. But instead, instead put your trust in Jesus, the Son of Man. Your deepest need, friends, mine as well, the deepest needs of our soul is not hidden from God. Even when we do our best to hide it from ourselves. In fact, if Christ is raised from the dead, then whatever needs that reside in our souls, whatever diseases or darkness or pains that are within us have been overturned in his resurrection. He has, in his death and resurrection and ascension, healed the deepest, most broken parts of our lives. And he has cast out that unclean spirit from us. Now with him, we're not just observers of his glory, observers of his kingdom, wanting to get in. But in baptism, joining in his death and resurrection, we now share in that promise, in that life. Woe to those who think that they don't need Christ's death and resurrection. Because they so desperately do, but they don't realize it. We are not as happy as we'd lead ourselves to believe most of the time. In truth, we are all the poor. We are all diseased in some way. And this isn't to take away from the actual poor and the actual diseased. Because Jesus had a special concern from them, for them as well, and that's what he's talking about in the scriptures. Like we said, turning to his disciples and those with diseases around him. But we, we've contracted some things too, haven't we? We still have needs. And instead of those needs being an excuse for you to stay away from him, well, I'm the only one that feels this way. I'm the only one that has these kind of problems. Instead of staying away, Jesus is saying, no, don't believe the story you're telling yourself. Come to me. All of you who are burnt out and beat up and tired and weary and just sick of it, don't run away into the dark, but come close to the Son of Man. Because around Him you will be blessed. Away from Him you will not. Amen, Sean. Look, I need to hear this just as much as anybody else in here, okay? So I'm sorry, I'm going off script, but i got to preach a little bit. Jesus is coming close to his friends. And this is really good news because no matter where we are this morning, no matter what kind of stuff we got on our minds, no matter what work week we have ahead for us that stresses us out already, Jesus is coming close and he stays, he remains close to us. Do we reach out though? He's present. Do we reach out to touch He offers his own body and blood to us into our hands. Do we reach out and receive it truly? Not just today, but all the days of this week do we say, Lord, I need your help. I need your healing touch. Again, I know I just asked for it yesterday, but Lord, I need it again. Lord, I'm so needy. Gosh, I'm so sorry that I'm so needy, you might say. 
that story, that script, you have your own, I'm sure. That's some of mine. You may tell yourself, Jesus is not really concerned with. He's still present. He cares about you, but he's telling a new story about you. He's saying, hey, would you just come? Come close. Let me tend to your needs. You don't have to have it all together. Come to me, and I will bring you healing and rest and life and freedom and forgiveness of sins. In other words, when we come to him, we are truly blessed. So if that's where you're at this morning, I want to read this just again, just so that you can hear it straight from the gospel, because I think this is so helpful. If you were there in that place, feeling disconnected and needy, and I don't know what to do, listen to what Jesus does to you. He says, it says this, and he came down to be with them and stood on a level place. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. Power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you. I want to be his disciple. I I want to be close to this healing touch and his power. Do you need to come close this morning? I do. Are you sick? Are you troubled? Are you burdened? Are you diseased? Are you alone? Do you feel disconnected? Then come close to Jesus who heals. This morning, our God, friends, he descends to where we are exactly in that place and offers us his loving presence and his healing touch. He does. He does. Everybody looking at me? Jesus is present this morning, and he has a healing touch for you this morning. And we're about to come to the altar to receive it. Don't miss what God is doing among us even this morning. Have him. Ask the Lord, would you mute that story I tell myself that disqualifies me from being healed by you, Lord? That sends me away? Would you mute all that, Lord, and draw me close to yourself? I don't know what that is for you this morning, what's on your heart. But let's take a moment of silence and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us right in that place and to prepare the eyes of faith in us that we could come close to the Son of God this morning and receive His touch. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.